On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I talk about controlling the variables of your life, about why you should embrace the competition around you. And I drop the first ever hint about a book that I might be writing. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 141 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is the place where I tell the story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and of taking on some fairly unusual challenges, sometimes on my own and sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that's guaranteed of this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. Now, I hope you're well. If you listened to the previous episode, I can't call it last week's episode because it came out like three and a bit days ago. If you listened to the previous episode, it hasn't been that long since we last sat here and recorded a conversation like this. Um, it was Monday that I recorded that episode, but I re- released it very late Monday night, which means probably the earliest chance you had to listen to it was Tuesday. It's now Thursday for me probably Friday for you. That's how things work in podcast land. It hasn't been very long. Uh, And so from a a life updates point of view, I'll be honest, there's not that much to tell you about. I've been in the office all week. I think maybe the most uh, remarkable piece of my week so far has been that yesterday I sat down with Will, who I've told you about a million times on this podcast before, Will from China on Instagram, a guy who I hype about because he is super interesting. And I told you a few weeks ago that he is in the process of working on his own podcast. He uh, is recording that now. We sat down to have a chat for that. And it was really great. It was a two and a half hour conversation about just everything, right? But I don't mean that in a big sprawling way. You know, these conversations that people record where they're like, oh, lads, we should definitely have a podcast. And then they just sit and they chat shit about like the footy and what's on telly and that girl they saw in a club. It wasn't that kind of conversation. It was uh, from a subject matter point of view, it was quite condensed, right? We stayed in this really narrow lane for two and a half hours. And occasionally there was a little anecdote or a little tangent, but it was interesting that this unplanned, unscripted, unconsidered conversation was able to remain in such a tight domain for so long because he and I are fairly similar in our interests and in the kind of people we're aware of and these different cognitive biases and so on. Um, And it was just really, really interesting. And I said this to Will both during the chat and also afterwards. Um, It was really close, I imagine, to therapy because when I sit down and I do this kind of chat with you, I have to kind of recall what has happened in the week. And occasionally I dip back to a piece in the past or I I go slightly off topic, but it's rare to be able to sit down on or off a microphone, frankly, and have the kind of conversation that we had yesterday. Um, And so I go into talking about things, which I mean, they're not particularly like dark or secret. I don't mean it like that. I just mean that there are topics, things like my relationship with myself when it comes to trying to find a relationship, right? And where I think the kind of challenges that I've ran into over the years come from and how I try and overcome that and uh, the the kind of the balance, as Will put it, between order and chaos in life and how you want to be walking directly down the middle is just such an interesting conversation. I will be honest with you because I haven't listened back to it and because I don't recall exactly what we spoke about from like a bigger picture point of view. I don't know whether you'll get value from it. I hope you will. 
I hope you'd find it interesting. So I'm definitely going to share it when it comes out, but I don't say that to discount the conversation. I say it rather to say that even if zero people listened to it, I'm sure people will. Um, but even if nobody listened to it, I got a huge amount of value from it and I can't thank Will enough for just sitting and having that conversation. It was nice. It was a little bit like a therapy session. And I explained to him after the podcast, I didn't go into it in detail on the podcast. Um, just after we finished recording, I was like, mate, I needed that because here's this mad thing that's going on and la la la. And it kind of then all made sense in retrospect. And it was just nice to, to have that conversation. Um, on the topic of having conversations with people, I am having conversations with people in my inbox right now to try and get some more guests because as I've been saying for many weeks, um, and to be honest, I don't really apologize for it because it is just life, right? It's, it's difficult to get the, the kind of people I want on the podcast as frequently as I want to, but I have been speaking to a lot of people this week in particular, and also just being that annoying person who's been willing to follow up, right? Because when I follow up with people, half the time they haven't seen the message, half the time they forgot to reply, half the time they're up for it. Um, but because I've been very busy and because I don't have a separate inbox for Patter and the podcast, right, it's all in the Patter inbox. Um, and I send a lot of emails in the work I do. And so the the outreach emails, unless I keep track of them, they just kind of get buried. And so I just kind of went through my inbox or my sent items and had a look at who have I reached out to, who I still have an appetite to have a conversation with, be it them or their publicist or their representatives, whatever it might be. And I've just followed up, followed up, followed up, followed up. And now there are some interesting names in my inbox, some closer to confirming than others. But nonetheless, if not this year, because I don't know how these will fall, um, mainly because lots of them are authors with books coming out between January and June, I believe. That's the, the rough kind of time frame of these conversations. So even if it's not this year that those conversations come to you, even if there's only a handful of guest conversations between now and the new year, next year for the podcast, it's just going to be good. It's going to be nice. We're going to have some good conversations. Um, also for what it's worth to break the fourth wall for a second, I don't know where this energy I suddenly have has come from. I've been knackered since like 3 p.m. And then just before recording this, I was out for food with Richard and another friend. Um, and I had this like stodgy, heavy two course Italian meal and I've been in a calorie deficit all week. Um, so my energy has been like fairly level and nice. And then I had this massive meal and it's basically knocked me out and I was knackered until about four minutes ago. And now suddenly I feel wide awake. So I'm going to ride this wave of energy for as long as I can. Um, speaking of that calorie deficit, as I try and segue all of these points into each other smoothly, this monk mode thing that I told you about on Monday. If you haven't yet listened to the previous episode, number 140, do go back and listen to that. Um, the YouTube algorithm seems to be really favoring recommending that conversation on people's uh, homepages, which is nice. So an average episode on YouTube where there isn't really any sort of following or um, frequency of upload over the years would normally get like 60-ish plays in the first week. And that'd be like, okay, that's just what it does, right? YouTube shows it to those people, I guess it's a handful of engaged subscribers. And then occasionally it might trickle with some more views over the next few days. Um, Monday's episode in three days is on like 350 plays. So that's nice. But the thing I talk about mainly in that monk mode, this idea of for a sustained period of time between now and the end of the year, trying to uh, focus really deeply on all of the habits, not just some of them, all of the habits that I think will carry me through this year, get me to where I want to go and give me a really good foundation for next year. Um, that's going really well, really, really well. Now I don't want to jinx it because I am free and three quarter days in, right? This is day four of it as I sit here and record this now on Thursday. So it's early, 
And it's, it's early enough for me to still think that I can be complacent, right? It's not going to be easy to tick off all 24 of those boxes that I detailed in the previous episode every day for the next 70 odd days, right? It's going to be hard and I'm going to miss some, but just so far, even taking a step away from that previous habit tracking spreadsheet, even ignoring the fairly good habits that I have in my life right now, even ignoring the, the order between chaos and order that Will spoke about in this conversation that I just referenced, right? I have a lot of order in my life anyway, but just taking it that little step further and making sure that right now, and this won't last forever and that's okay, but right now I am basically zeroing in on every single variable in my life that will improve my health and fitness or my mindfulness or my confidence or my, I think productivity is the other one. That's how I broke this out, right? I had the four areas, four days of waking up early, of getting that sunlight, of going to the gym in the morning, of hitting a hard workout, of drinking enough water, of being in a slight calorie deficit, but making sure that what I'm eating is nutritionally sound, of looking after myself, of journaling, of meditating, of going to bed at the right time, of avoiding news, of not having Tinder, all of this stuff when you add it up together. And I shit you not to take this as advice, right? Because a lot of the time I say, oh, you don't need to try this. If you're in a bit of a rut right now, if you're in a bit of a, if, if, if you're in a bit of a position where you think, you know what, actually, I'm not talking depression, right? I am not qualified to have uh, a view on what you should do in that situation, not least because I've never been in it. But if you're just in a bit of a rut right now and you think, actually, I just want to shake things up. I want my life to be a bit different and I want to do it quick. At least in the first four days of this, this seems like the way to do it, right? Forget leaving things to chance when you don't like how things are going because of chance, right? Forget just hoping that things go okay when that hope of things going okay so far hasn't got you to where it feels good. Because four days in, maybe that's where this energy has come from, four days in of just nailing all of those things. And there genuinely hasn't been a moment in any of those days other than when I just ate the big Italian and felt a bit terrible for a second because I had too many carbs and sugar spikes and whatnot. Other than then, my energy has been incredible. My mood has been really good. Um, I have felt focused when I've needed to feel focused. I felt like I have a second wind after that walk I do every day. I feel incredible with endorphins after the gym in the morning. Like my hydration is on point and I don't feel like there's any little nagging things on the sidelines of life that are kind of dragging my attention or contentment away. It's just nice. It's nice to be able to take hold of everything that you know can give you a good day and focus on it. And the reason I say it won't last forever is because of course it won't. This is not a sustainable way to live right. And I, I told you that I got this concept of monk mode from Iman Gadzi. He says in his video about it, a video that you should definitely go and watch because I'm sure that he explains it better than I did in my episode the other day, that this isn't for forever. This is for short periods of time to, to reset and recalibrate or to double your efforts on something. And Four days in, I might be telling you something different next week, I'll be honest, but four days in right now, the, the evidence seems to be checking out. Looking after yourself in a really intentional way, who would guess, makes you feel good and makes you focused and productive and makes you have good energy, right? So I just recommend that if you're in a place right now where you're like, yeah, actually, I'm not too happy with life and I'm confident that it's not a big issue, right? It's not something I need to seek help for, but it is something that I would like to address. If you don't know where to begin, don't begin with the big things. Don't begin with looking for the new job or dumping your partner or moving house or changing your car or anything dramatic. Start with the little things. Start with all of those little variables that you can 
control, right? I told you on Monday in my fucking spreadsheet, one of the things I have is brush my teeth twice in a day. Do you understand how ridiculous it feels to even write those words in the spreadsheet? Brush my teeth twice a day is a thing that I check that I'm doing, right? That sounds ridiculous, but the same with the, the make my bed, make my bed in a spreadsheet. Why do I need to do that? Well, it's because when you know all of the things that lead to a good, healthy, sustainable, focused, happy day, if you're not currently in that place, right? Why not control them? Why not make sure you're ticking all the boxes? And then as I found in the past, when I've tracked habits really closely, a funny thing happens after 30, 60, 90, hundred days of doing this, which is the spreadsheet falls away. The tracking disappears, right? The, the pressure of making sure that you tick the box goes, but the habit itself doesn't. The habit itself stays, right? And so that's kind of what I'm hoping that when I push through this period for as long as it lasts, it might last a week, it might last three months, I don't know. But for as long as it lasts, I hope that what this current process gives me is a better foundation than the one I had coming into it, which was fairly good to begin with. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I was in a bad place, but I hope that it gives me a better foundation. And then I will inevitably do this again in say May, or I'll do it in August. I don't know. And hopefully that time around, the foundation will be better still. Um, And I just think that that is, as I think out loud here, because I didn't actually plan to talk about this. I think that's a good approach. As As I near the age of 30 that everybody tells me isn't a big deal, but inevitably before I turn 30, I'm going to think it is. If I look at like, how can I have a good platform for life by the time I'm 30? And when I say platform, I don't mean like a fucking podcast. I don't mean this kind of platform. I mean, a, a non-tangible platform from which you can live your life, right? Is my health in check? Am I mentally stable enough to carry the burdens I need to carry? Am I focused enough to do what I need to do? Do I have the right goals, the right direction? Am I aware of what I want in life from things like relationships and having a family and so on, right? And I think that just months and months and months and months of having these good platforms will take me to a place. Hopefully, might not. I always caveat it. I might be wrong. <laughs> might be here in a year. But hopefully it takes me to a place where by time I'm a few years down the line, it's just the, the default, right? These things will have stuck. And the ones that don't, don't, but I can't control that. So I shouldn't worry about that. Um, where are we? So this is interesting, right? I'm speaking with Paul Mort in a few weeks time for this podcast, uh, traveling up to South Shields, which I believe is near Newcastle. Uh, and a quote of his popped into my head as I was trying to work out uh, what to say on this episode about how I feel great right now, controlling all of the variables, right? And he says this, and it's, it's controversial. And he actually says it's controversial on the page where I found this. This isn't the exact quote I was looking for, actually. Paul has said something similar but more direct in the past, I believe, but I don't want to quote him on it because I couldn't find the quote. But the closest thing of his that I could find is he says this, he says, most people, I'm going to focus on the word most there before somebody counsels me or him. Most people aren't anxious. They're just bored and have nothing better to worry about. Harsh, but true, right? Now, without breaking that down too much, because I don't want to dissect somebody else's words and then make them my own, particularly when they're somewhat controversial. But this is kind of what I've, I've, found with this process more generally of tracking habits, of having direction, of making sure that you have something to do in life. And I suspect it's why lots of people 
even some people who sometimes message me from this podcast feel like they're directionless, right? They're the, the 21 year old guy who knows that they want to do something, but they don't know what. And so their time is then consumed to doing things that they don't want to do, or even let's go further in some cases shouldn't be doing because they don't have the direction. The, the process of laying out your life, right? Of making all of the things that you know you should do there and available to you helps. And I'm not going to say solves again, because I'm not in any way qualified. And also I don't want to pick up Paul's quote and own it, but helps avoid that kind of ambient feeling of anxiety that we all get, right? So I'm not talking clinical anxiety here, not least again, because I'm not qualified to talk about it in any way and I'd be chatting shit, but that kind of ambient anxiety that society leaves us with these days, right? You probably know what I'm talking about because I get it. I get it all the time. This feeling of like, fuck, but I'm not doing enough or am I doing the right thing or what are my peers doing or God, I look at TV, I look at social media and everyone's doing better or I feel so lost and I don't know what to do or I don't have any role models or whatever it might be, right? It's really hard to simultaneously feel that thing whilst you're controlling as many of the variables as you can in your life and moving towards goals, right? It's really hard to feel that kind of ambient anxiety and have momentum. And that's not to say that that ambient anxiety is necessarily a choice, but in some cases with some people, the lack of choosing to go after the momentum is sometimes a choice, right? And it's not a, it's not an active choice, it's a passive choice in as much as you don't know what you don't know. And so until you know that it's possible to actually feel a hell of a lot better, feel more confident and more able and more uh, directional in life by just making your bloody bed and brushing your teeth and, I don't know, going for a walk and listening to 10 minutes of an audiobook, like these silly things that we discount because we say, that's not going to change my life learning for 10 minutes a day isn't going to change my life. If it's not, then what is? What will change your life if not learning? What will change your life if not building a healthier body for yourself? This thing that you need to live in for 86 years. What is it? Is it a possession? Is it a person? You can't control possessions. You can't control people. So you can't rely on those things to give you that foundation, to give you that direction. And so this isn't news to you. And this isn't news to me, right? As in, I've spoken about this stuff before, but just the results from these four days, particularly because of the reason why I felt like I really needed to lean into it. It is amazing. It genuinely is amazing. That's why I'm still going on about it like 10 minutes in how much of a difference it can make to give you that direction. So I'm going to leave it here on that point, but just try it. Just try it. If you feel like it's for you right now, make a little list of things you're going to do every day and just do them day after day after day. See how long you can go. Maybe you can go for three days. That's three days better than you were before. Maybe it's 10 days. 10 days is incredible. Maybe it's a month. A month of doing really good things over and over again every day will change your life. That's all it takes. Okay, it won't fix your, if you're in crippling debt, it's not going to fix that. Sure. If you're really overweight, it's not going to fix that. Sure. But it gives you direction, right? It, it helps you take a step away from being avoidant or stuck or unsure what to do. And a funny thing happens like we've spoken about a lot on this podcast before, when you have momentum, it breeds momentum, right? Objects in motion continue moving. Objects that still continue to stay still, you need to find that momentum. The easiest way to find that momentum is to make a little list of things that you know you should be doing and do them. So there we go. And then the other thing that was interesting from the content that I produced this week is a 
real short TikTok, whatever it was. Um, it got four views on YouTube, which is really weird. YouTube normally picks up a short and throws out there and it would get at least a few hundred views overnight. This one got four views. For some reason, the algorithm did not favor it. However, that means you probably didn't see it, particularly if you're watching on YouTube. It was about the idea that in life, if you believe that you're not in competition with anybody but yourself, right? If you, if you believe this idea that we've been told that you're only in competition with yourself. So, so don't worry about other people. Whilst the undertone of that is actually really accurate and true. I won't go into that. The idea itself is a lie, right? The idea that if you want to get that job or that promotion or that guy or girl that you like, or that possession that's hard to come by, or that money or that client for your business, right? You are in competition with other people. And anybody who tells you otherwise, obviously, as you know, is lying, right? I don't need to tell you that. They are wrong in their uh, view of this situation. They believe that you're not in competition with people, right? So that in and of itself sounds quite debilitating. Oh, fuck, I've got all these people to contend with. Oh, I'm in a big competition. Oh, that's stressful. I don't think about it, though. Think about how many people you're in competition with are actually, let's go back to our, our previous point for a moment. How many of them? are actually just doing the basics right. How many of them are sticking to their word with themselves? How many of them are doing the work that they said they were going to do? How many of them are designing an environment to improve their focus? If it's a academic or a work-related goal or their health, right? If it's a kind of physical, aesthetic, uh, health, lifestyle goal, whatever it might be. The answer like we spoke about a few weeks ago, where I said that if you look at the numbers on things like sleep, on gym, on going and reading books on whatever it might be, the answer is that to be above average, like we spoke about, is really easy. So this is why I think this is important and empowering because I realized at the beginning of that short was quite, it probably felt quite like toxic hustle culture. Oh, he's saying we're all in competition and life's a big battle. That's not what I'm saying. I'm trying to to phrase this, this thing that is a truth and in reality in an empowering way, in as much as yes, you are in competition with a lot of people for almost everything that you want in life. Not everything, but almost everything. However, when you realize that those around you, the people who you are in competition with, A, perhaps haven't even realized that idea, but B, really aren't trying, I think personally, that's really empowering because it means that you can do just above the bare minimum, just above average, and you are already edging massively ahead of your competition. So then when you start to zoom out and realize that life in almost any arena is played, not on a scale of hours or days or weeks, but months and years, if you continue to just edge slightly further ahead of those people who you are inevitably in competition with, right? Particularly in things like a career. And you're right if you're thinking that work and business and jobs isn't all there is to life. You're completely right. I agree. That has been essentially the coming of age lesson on this podcast so far that I, I focus on a hell of a lot more than that. However, for eight hours of your day, five days a week, you're going to be in that thing. So you may as well like it, right? You may as well spend that time doing something meaningful. If you realize that doing just that bit more, and I don't mean just that bit more by staying extra and looking busy in front of your boss. I mean, working on yourself that bit more, right? Going to bed that bit earlier so you're more rested the next day. Doing that thing before the deadline so your boss or client or coworker doesn't need to chase you. 
and you do that for long enough, you will get so much further ahead of your competition. And so whatever your goals are, they are literally there for you to take, right? Obviously, I'm oversimplifying. I'm making this um, quite crude for the, the purpose of this, this cut down segment of a podcast. But the idea being that notwithstanding the things you can't control, notwithstanding biases and prejudice and the things that many people listening to this do and will inevitably experience in life, generally speaking, if you work harder than or are more intentional than, sorry, intentional than the people who you're in competition with, you're going to move ahead of them. Now, I have some questions because I didn't know what to talk about today. So I'm going to answer some of these now before we wrap up. Bear with. That was me drinking some water because my mouth is very dry. Uh, how many have we got? We've got six. I'll do three or four. Um, I'll start with Chloe's. <laughs> Chloe asked, can you bench a plate yet? Now this comes from when I was in the gym, maybe back in April time with Chloe and her boyfriend, Sam. And Sam was helping me try and bench a plate on each side. So 20 kg on each side of a barbell. Because at that point when I was going to the gym way more consistently than I have since then, other than this week, funnily enough, um, I was getting close to that, right? I was getting close to being able to bench press 60 kg. I think I managed one rep at 55 one rep at 50 i'm not sure and i was like yeah fuck it i can try 60 and i tried it and sam was spotting me and i got it up and i'm like nope that's not going anywhere near no i didn't get it up rather and i'm like nope that's not going up and i couldn't do it uh chloe to answer your question no i cannot do a uh no i cannot bench a plate yet i actually uh on tuesday when i was doing a push day in the gym uh did bench press for the first time in many months and muscle atrophy, is that the word, is a real thing because my God, I have lost so much strength and endurance and ability to lift heavy things since I haven't been to the gym in about five months. We'll get it back. We'll go further than I was before. That's how this always works, right? You just kind of fall back and then leapfrog where you previously were with progress. However, no, I cannot bench 60 kg. I can hardly fucking, I can hardly bench 35 kg right now. So there we go. Uh, Neve said, do you feel like you're able to give advice to listeners more compared to when you started the podcast? Do I feel like I can give advice to listeners more now than when I started the podcast? Yes and no. Right. Let me think out loud about this. No, because who am I to tell you what to do? Right. Like, I don't know you as a listener, probably, right? I, I know a few people who listen personally, but generally speaking, most listeners are silent listeners, as it's called in the podcasting space, right? They are, or you are perhaps somebody who listens to this podcast, however frequently you listen to it. But, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, I just mean because you haven't yet got in touch or sent a message or whatever. I literally don't know you exist, right? There are Many people who listen to this, the majority of people who listen to this, I actually don't know who they are. I look at the analytics, I look at the stats, I don't know who they are, right? So I can't give any sort of useful, tailored, specific advice to anybody who listens to the podcast, right? And I think that everybody who listens when I do my attempts at giving kind of generalized advice probably appreciates that, right? This isn't a one size fits all. And you probably hear a lot of the things I say and they either don't apply to you or indeed, you might just think you're chatting shit, Sean, right? It's not, it's not my job to say things that you always agree with, and it's not your job to always agree with things I say, right? 
there are things which I believe to be true one week and a month later I might disagree with. That's actually like a common theme of this podcast where I throw out an idea and I say, actually, I think that this is what I'm going to do. This is how I think this is how I'm going to be. And then a few weeks later, I come back to you and I'm like, yeah, no, that didn't work out. That was a terrible idea. I was wrong. Um, so can I give specific advice? No, I hope for those listening, that's obvious in as much as nothing I say on here should be taken as prescriptive. However, do I think I am better able to give advice generally? Yes, only by virtue of the fact that I am, you know, I started this podcast when I was 23. I'm 27 in just over a month. Uh, so I'm older. I've done more living. Uh, and so I guess just by the fact that I have three years more life behind me and experiences and lessons. Yes, sure. Right. I've, I've learned more, which means I can share more. And by sharing more, in some cases, that can be taken as advice. And if that advice is taken and lands correctly, then I guess I've achieved the, the point made in the question of giving better advice. However, I'm also aware enough to realize that I just pretended that being 26 is old when it obviously is not. Right. I'm 26 years old. Even the fact that I can sit here and speak to hundreds of people talking into a microphone at 10 p.m. on a random Thursday night is crazy because if you were to zoom back even, I don't know, 30 years, 50 years, there were no 26-year-olds who had the chance to do this, right? The mediums just didn't exist for this to exist. And so there's, there's a reason why the, the, the wisest, most respected people in society, generally speaking throughout history, have been of older age. And it's because they knew more, right? They had seen more. Once you've been through a situation once and you've seen it, you can then offer advice on it. You can kind of form a, a view that people who haven't been through the situation can't yet appreciate, can't yet see. And I guess that constitutes giving advice. I can give advice on hardly anything right now. I'm 26. I've, I've lived like a fraction of adult life. And inside that, and I had this conversation with Will yesterday, because I was too specific with my kind of goals in life for the first few years of adult life. Like even in that tiny period of time that I've so far had, it's, it's actually smaller in some ways than the average person. Like I can't give you advice on relationships because I don't fucking know. I can't give you advice on like raising a family or buying a house because I don't know because I've never done it, right? I couldn't even drive until two years ago. So in a lot of ways, I'm not qualified in any way to give advice. But I think it's important that I recognize that, right? I try my best to speak only on the things that I truly believe in and all the things that in any given moment I feel compelled, for want of a better word, to speak about. Um, and that will evolve as I get older, be it on this podcast for however long it continues or not on the podcast, right? When I'm 40, I'll probably be, get, be better at giving advice than I am now. When I'm 60, the same will be true and so on. Um, I'm going to skip over Neve's other question of what is the most memorable conversation you've had with a guest and why? Um, mainly because that will be a sprawling answer and I know what I'm like, and I'm not going to pick one conversation and I'll just summarize nine different conversations from all these different people and it will turn into this very long thing. Um, so maybe we'll readdress that at the end of the year as a kind of reflection on all of the conversations I've had this year. I want to finish, however, on a question from Kevin who asked, can you tell us more about your book? Because this is something that I was going to speak about on 
Monday's episode and it was in my notes and I actually just completely forgot. I, I skimmed my laptops down here. If you're watching on YouTube, just below where the camera is and it was written down and I just skipped over it. Didn't realize it was there. Realized when I watched the episode back that I hadn't spoken about it. So this is a weird one for a few reasons. A, I don't like talking about things I'm going to do, if that makes sense. I've probably spoken about this on the podcast before, right? I'm a big believer that the kind of the reward and the dopamine release you get should be reserved for when you've done something, right? Without being too deep. The I think it's good for us all if we praise achievements more than we do words, if that makes sense, right? And so just because I happen to have that belief, I don't know where it's come from, but that's just something I happen to believe is a a net good way of viewing the world. I'm always hesitant to talk about things that I'm doing before I've done them, right? Think about the two new areas of patter that I spoke about this time last year. One which is kind of still in a pre-launch phase. Um, we have a couple of clients for it, but we haven't yet really addressed launching the thing. And the other which is just fucking not currently happening right now, right? I didn't want to tell you all about them because frankly, we don't deserve the praise and attention of something that we haven't yet done. I could have told you all about what they were going to be. And you would have said, Sean, that's great. That's amazing. And I would have thought, oh yeah, I'm I'm a big business person because I've got these ideas. But no, they didn't launch. They don't deserve the attention yet. Right? So that's why I'm hesitant to always talk about things. However, I took a slightly different approach with this book. The book, which by the way, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, on Twitter, maybe a couple of weeks ago now, I was sat there in my house in Corby and I happened to have my old MacBook with me, which has nothing installed on it. And for years, I've had an idea of a book that I want to write to release around the time I'm like 29, 30. Now, I've never written a book before, needless to say. I don't even know what's involved in writing a book. I actually don't know the process, really. Um, I know roughly how you go about getting published and the kind of steps that I would need to follow from this point onwards. But actually putting pen to paper, starting the process of writing 80,000 words on a particular topic. I don't know how to do it. And so I sat there looking at that laptop, realizing that this is something I want to do that is probably going to be roughly a two-year journey. And that in two years time, I'll be about to turn 29, which is the year which I want to be really focusing on releasing this book, because I think by that point in life, this book will be what I have to say to the world, right? And it probably won't be the only book I write in my life because, I mean, I don't need to tell you that I get enjoyment, for want of a better word, out of sharing ideas, right? It is, this is my passion project. I know we spoke in like February about how I want to turn this into a business that sustains itself, but right now, just a passion project, sharing thoughts. And a book is almost like the the pinnacle of that. Now, there's a thread on Twitter where I am going to and have been documenting the process of writing that book from the day I opened the Google Doc through, hopefully, until the day that it is published. There's a physical book that you can buy in a couple of years' time. Am I ready to talk about the concept and contents of the book yet? Probably not. It's nothing groundbreaking, to be fair. Um, it's exactly what you'd expect it to be, given the premise of this podcast and all of my content, which is, I guess, the easiest way of summarizing it. But I think it has a nice, a nice angle to it um, because of the, the story of where I came 
from and hopefully by the time I reach roughly 30 where I'm going to and how I arrive there is essentially the premise or at least what I'm I'm wanting to give away at this point, not least because I'm only 4,000 words into it. Um, But what I will commit to doing is two things. Number one, talking about it on this podcast because I talk about everything on this podcast. Nothing is off limits. But number two, I'm going to keep that thread on Twitter as up to date as I can on the process of writing the book, right? Because like I said, I've never written a book. I don't know how it works. And so I'm going to learn a hell of a lot about both the actual processes of writing a book, but also about myself, right? This is an introspective book. I am trying to find within me 80,000 words worth of thoughts and anecdotes and references to illustrate just a handful of points. This is going to be a long, probably stressful, probably at times upsetting, high stakes project, right? One that will take years of my life. And so to break the fourth wall, I'll just document the whole process. Um, There's nothing official with the book project yet, if that makes sense. It's a thing that I'm paying a couple of hours of attention to a week at the moment. I'm probably going to grab that second laptop on Saturday and to get out of the office, take that laptop and a charger to Cardiff, sit somewhere in a coffee shop and attempt to construct a chapter. Because again, without being too technical of how it seems that you write a book, if you've ever read a book, it's interesting how authors take a singular point and then they weave it together with personal references and anecdotes and examples and sub points and reference previous points of the book. And it's just this, this incredible web of ideas that comes together. The first thing I need to do, the first thing I need to teach myself to do in the process of writing this book is learn how to write a chapter of a book. And so I'm going to start that process probably on Saturday and then we'll go from there. But there's, there's no name for the book yet. There's no story about it. It's just something I want to do. And if you know me, you know that I quite enjoy seeing if I can do the things that I want to do. Sometimes I can't, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes it does. So Maybe in two years, you will be reading my book. Maybe that's how I finally monetize this podcast. Maybe when I reach year five of the podcast, I'll ask you to buy a £10 book. And if I do, hopefully you'll buy it. If not, I'm sure it will be on some website somewhere to pirate. (laughs) So there we go. Um, I think that is all I have. Um, Thank you for the questions, by the way. You saved me here because I really felt like I didn't have a lot to talk about this week. Next week's episode should be on time. I've just realized I'm in London Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'll work it out. Next week's episode will be out next week at some point, hopefully Thursday, but we really, really are in that point in the year now where things are just incredibly busy. I'm all over the place. Life is hectic, but there will be an episode next week, hopefully on time. Apologies if not, but keep an eye out for it either way. Uh, In the meantime, thank you as always for listening. I hope you have a good week. And I will see you back here this time next week for episode number 142 of Life and Lessons. See you then.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.